everybody. Welcome back to another Human Factor from Cohesity. So I am Mike Letchen, your host for the day, for the week, and as we go into see what else we can talk about. So today I have a longtime friend and, and colleague slash just we've been around the, the circles a bit together, uh, Kenny Coleman on me. So uh, Kenny, how are you today? Good to see you. I'm well, Michael. Thanks for having me on. You know, it's uh, it's really good to come in and talk about something that's not tech all the time. Uh, you know, considering that's our day jobs every single day, you kind of you need that break. You need something to get away. Yeah, for sure. And I know that you and I share some similar passions uh, when we're not dealing with tech on things that we've we've explored many times when we're out at tech shows, but maybe in the evening uh, for a uh, for a beverage or two. But I don't want to go specific on that. I figured one of the things that I know a lot of people are always curious about is how people end up going from doing their day jobs to whether it's podcasts or events or other companies and, and some of those shifts. And while you obviously still have your day job, you have this other job um, at this point that's a little more than a hobby for you um, with Bourbon Pursuit uh, and kind of Talk through, give me a kind of the background on how did you go from, hey, I'm a, I'm a tech guy, I'm going to do this little thing on the side, to really kind of it now taking up so much of your time and having so many other pieces. So it's, let's kind of go through a little bit of history and kind of give people some idea of how this all, how this all start. Um, actually, yeah. I think maybe before we do that, maybe give them a, a little summary of what Bourbon Pursuit is and what I'm talking about, because I know they have no idea probably out there. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll kind of give a, a little high-level overview here. So Bourbon Pursuit is the official podcast of Bourbon. Uh, we have interviews, reviews, news, everything like that. Uh, we have guests that come on, master distillers inside the industry, bloggers, pundits, uh, you, you name it. Anybody that's inside of the bourbon industry has been a guest on our podcast. We started back in March of 2015. Uh, we are approaching almost 300 episodes that we've released over that time. And we really try to share and uncover the stories of the people behind the brands that People love to drink. You know, if you want to know more about, you know, everybody knows Maker's Mark and the iconic red wax, but do you want to know more about like how that label came to be? Like, why did the wax happen? Uh, you know, talk about Bill Samuels and really the journey that they had to go through to try to even make Maker's Mark not fall, you know, into bankruptcy at one point. So we try to bring a lot of those, those sort of stories to light as a part of Bourbon Pursuit. And as I had mentioned, we, we just really try to, uh, also, kind of create a, a community around it, being able to bring in people from the bourbon community itself. So maybe they're not necessarily just working directly with the distilleries, but instead they are bloggers or they're authors, they've published books or pieces. And so they come on and we talk about everything from even uh, chemistry to history to everything like that in between. So it's really a podcast that's focused on bourbon geeks. And so... There's yeah. a few of us, I think, out there at this point. You, you've, you've built quite the following with, with it as well over now many years. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been very impressed to, to kind of see what we've been able to do. Um, you know, it's not just myself. It's a whole team now that, that's behind it. So it's myself, uh, my wife, and two different co-hosts. Uh, so we do north of a million downloads a year now. Uh, we'll do around 15,000 per episode, um, you know, around 100, 120 to 180,000. Uh, downloads every three months. So it's, it's amazing to kind of see the trajectory and growth of what we've been able to do 
over the few years, but you know, podcasting has got a lot of work into it. There's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes. You know, what we're doing right now, we're talking, this is the easy part, you know, recording and everything like that and have a conversation. It's everything that goes afterwards of uh, post-production and promotion and everything like that. That's where the real work comes in. And so why in 2015, I mean, I know, obviously you live in the heart of bourbon country, um, but why, why did you decide in 2015 to, to even start this and, and go down this, this road? What was the shift that kind of that catalyst? You know, Michael, you've, we've known each other for a long time and, and tech has always been a part of me. And it's always been something that as soon as I latch onto something, I go all in, I go almost too far. And, you know, to wind it back, even like before bourbon, I was really into Halloween at one point. And so I used to create, uh, like I was a Halloween, Halloween engineer is what I used to call myself. So I would spend six months out of the year creating Halloween uh, props that would be able to like be set off and triggered by raspberry pies and sensors and all this other kind of stuff. And then I moved away from the Halloween street and I needed a new hobby. And so bourbon has always kind of been a, a part of my life ever since I actually went to college and I joined a fraternity that was known as like a, they're the bourbon drinkers on campus. So Joining them kind of really opened my eyes up into whiskey, into bourbon. But, you know, back then you weren't really drinking it for the appreciation of it by, me, by any means. But after college, I still continued to drink bourbon while some of my friends started switching over to wine and other spirits and stuff like that. And then it was probably around like 2013, 2014 timeframe was like when the bug really bit me. And I started getting involved with other online bourbon communities and some people that were local and that's when I really started like buying and collecting and learning about you know, limited edition releases and Pappy Van Winkle and all this other kind of stuff. And you start learning more and more and more. And then so 2015, beginning of 2015 rolls around and it was actually my, my partner, my co-host, he had the idea of actually starting the podcast. His day job has him going out and, you know, he's, he's a CEO of a, a lawn care company. And so if he's not out spraying yards, he's going out and giving quotes for yards. And so he's driving in his truck all day and he, all he does is listen to podcasts. And he originally thought he was like, okay, I'll start a podcast on my sort of career, my, my, my colleagues and talk about the lawn business and realized that it probably didn't have a big runway. And at this time, bourbon was really starting to kind of grow in popularity. And he knew that I was getting into, you know, I was big into bourbon. I also had the ability to kind of execute on the tech side. And he said, Hey, do you want to kind of do this thing? And there's just one thing I always want. I call myself the dream killer sometimes because somebody will come up to me and they're like, Hey, I've got this idea. And I'll be like, have you Googled it? Have you seen that? Like 10 ideas already exist. Like, why would you want to go do that? And so we, I, I said, let's research a little bit. Let's figure out what kind of, are there any other podcasts on whiskey or anything like that? And you know, we, we looked at the, the ecosystem. There was, there was some that were really focused on like B2B, but mostly for the larger whiskey market, not just bourbon. So if you want to get into scotch as well as bourbon, Japanese whiskey, I mean, it covered all those aspects. Uh, there were some where it's a, a bunch of guys sitting around a, you know, a microphone drinking Elmer T. Lee going, it smells like caramel and vanilla. I didn't really think that that appealed to me because when I listen to podcasts, I'm there for like an education factor. I want to learn something. I want to take something away from something. And, and so I looked at it and I said, well, there's 
definitely a story piece that's missing to this. There's an education piece that's missing to this. And so we kind of went with the interview style and we started reaching out to distilleries and saying like, Hey, we're launching this. We want to get, you know, them as guests and everything like that. And so it was really the first of its kind when we started in 2015 since then, there's been some other, uh, I don't want to say copycat, but you know, everybody tries to build a better mousetrap, but there's, there's more podcasts out there now that have kind of taken our format and run with it. So it's been a pretty good recipe for success to kind of really uncover the stories behind the people that are making the products that, that you enjoy on a, on a weeknight or a weekend or anything like that. Yeah. I think the idea of listening to the podcast when they were at that point of the guys sitting around and we're going to tell you what it tastes like. Yeah. That just never really... I had no, that was no appeal for me at that point. I like mean, taste, it's all subjective, right? Yeah. If I want to know what it tastes like, I'm going to go taste it. Um, if I can, obviously. So now getting into it, and like you said, the talking part of it and having the conversations, did you find when you started reaching out to the distilleries and things, were you getting pushback of them since it, you were kind of early? Were they on board? Were they excited to do it? Were they excited to join in? Or did you get some that were kind of like, yeah, we don't want to deal with you right now. Uh, I'd say it was about like 75% were excited. They, I didn't get really turned down. 25% were kind of like, eh, we really don't need that much promotion. We're okay. And so it's funny to kind of see the way that those roles have kind of shifted over time where, I mean, I would say on a weekly basis, I get two to three emails of somebody saying like, hey, we want to come on your podcast. So now there's too many subjects and things that people want to come talk about that we necessarily just don't have time to go do or record or anything like that. So we've got to be a little bit more selective about the topics and the people and everything that we want to have on the podcast, because we know that we want to appeal to the, the bourbon enthusiasts and the whiskey geeks. So we just try to make sure that there are topics that cover a wide range and as well as cover anybody in any geography, because if somebody's a craft distiller and they're like, Hey, I've got my grandpappy's recipe. We're up here in Pennsylvania. And we sell at our gift shop. I'm like, well, you don't really appeal to our listeners that are in Texas or California or Ohio or anything like that. So we, we try to find a lot of the, the stories to uncover that really are going to have a broad and mass appeal. So now you're, you're starting to have to look at those sometimes a little bit larger distillers, even though some of those little ones are very interesting, but they're just not your mass market. No, I mean, craft whiskey in itself is, is just a very interesting aspect. And we'll kind of talk about that maybe in a little bit. But yeah, in regards of like what people want to hear and they want to know, yeah, they want to hear from the Heaven Hills and the Four Roses and the Jim Beams, you know, the people that have really are like the iconic whiskey brands. And not only to even say that is like the personalities behind some of these people are just fascinating. You know, Jim Beam, you've got Fred and Freddie No, who are seventh and eighth generation master distillers at Jim Beam. And they don't stop cussing for an entire hour. I mean, it's just like, it's constant and it's just who they are. It's their personality. And you just kind of get to know them. And so really being able to expose the people and, and you really get to understand, okay, like these are real people. Like these aren't just like CEOs sitting behind a desk and pushing paper. No, they're real people. And you know, they, they have the same, the likes as, as you and I, you know, like the, the nose, like they're really big into like curing hams and, uh, and, you know, barbecuing and stuff like that. You'll find out that you create these connections with people and it, it kind of like you, you now see each other kind of on the same level. It becomes a completely different relationship at that point. You're not, you're they, they're not being the CEO. I think all the time is the part that people miss that just because you're a CEO or you're high up in a large organization doesn't mean that 
you don't want to be a person sometimes. You kind of get put on that weird pedestal. Um, so when you were creating it on it, you started, obviously, the two of you talking to kind of get a little bit of background on how to get going and maybe some, some things that people notice. So if somebody out here listening to this says, you know what, I've got this idea. I've done my research. I don't think it's out there. I want to start this podcast. I know you and I have been on so many different other podcasts on it. We have seen podcasts come and go. And we were just talking before on one of the big challenges is always keeping content sometimes. You're the advantage of now you're getting people contacting you so you can get a run on it. But what should people kind of, what are the two or three things that people should watch out for before they even think about starting one? Because like you said, it can be not to be a dream killer, but it can be, it can be difficult after you get over that first initial hump. Yeah, I would think it, it ultimately starts with the idea. Like, what's the subject matter? You, I hate to I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you know, there's only gonna be one Joe Rogan. You can't be a podcast that just talks about everything because you're never gonna get anywhere. You've got to be able to figure out what's that niche of a niche of a niche that you can own and you can run with, because you will find other people that have the same exact passion or enthusiasm towards it. You know, when we started Bourbon Pursuit, in hindsight, maybe we should have just been Whiskey Pursuit because now we could have gone into Japanese and Scotch and other things. But, you know, we really owned in not only just on, you know, the podcast, not on just on whiskey, but even went further into bourbon. So we, we really try to find, you know, that, that small niche of like people that are really into bourbon that also listen to podcasts and we really wanted to own that space. And that's kind of really what we went for. So really it comes with the idea. I would think the second part is figuring out how do you tell that story? You know, whether it's, whether it's, you know, owning that niche and making sure, do you have guests? Do you talk about different aspects of it? Like, what is it uh, as a part of that idea? And then the next, next part that I really look into it is when you are going to be serious about it and you want to make sure that you are delivering really good content to a, a wide range of audience is that you focus on quality because the, it doesn't really matter if you have the best content out there, if it's unlistenable, then people aren't going to listen to it. And so there's, there's always something to be said about even, even when we look at video production and like if you, if you look at a video, but it sounds cloudy or choppy or whatever. You're just like, oh, screw it. I'm not going to listen to it. So I really focus on like really those two things is, is quality. And I really wish I could go back to our earlier episodes and like redo them because I remember sitting around one microphone and doing interviews and thinking like, okay, this is great. And then now we are, uh, you know, three or four, you know, five years ahead of this now. We've all upgraded our equipment. We've got crazy microphones and stuff like this. And I was like, oh man, I, I kind of wish we had this kind of quality in the very beginning. Yeah, I know that's when we when I look at that, you listen to a podcast and you can tell the difference. I mean, if the mic is here or if as I move mine, if I go over here, like you just it, it's such a difference um, on it. And obviously, if you're watching it, you can see you've got your mic set on mine actually just sits a little below i'd like to keep mine out of the screen it's just a preference on mine um <laughs> yeah i mean that's it's really different because you know with we do a video podcast as well but we have around 85 percent or maybe 90 percent of our total downloads are audio only you know we push everything to youtube but we notice that our our real core is always going to be 
the the audio listeners, those people that are either in the car or they're working out or whatever it is. Um, there's, but we also want to make sure that we tailor and have that YouTube presence as well, because there's no better SEO than YouTube right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, we obviously we do. I spend most of my time if I'm doing podcasts, it's not when I'm walking the dog. I take the dog for an hour walk and I listen to to a couple half hour podcasts or something. So on that note, though, what would you? Two things on it. Length of a podcast, do you think it matters on how long? Because sometimes I've seen people come on like, we're going to do this hour-long podcast. And you're like, you better have some really good content for an hour-long podcast if you think people are going to listen. And then you get the other extreme. People are like, well, we can do everything in 15 minutes. Well, there's got to be a happy medium. What have you guys found? There really is. I mean, so when we first started the podcast, we thought we were going to do 30-minute episodes because that is, as you kind of just said, it's a good length of when you got to walk the dog. It's usually a commuter's length as well. It's about 30 minutes. And I think we were like maybe 40 or 50 episodes in, and we had comments coming in from listeners. They're like, why are you cutting the interview so short? Isn't there more to talk about? We're like, I mean, yeah, I guess there is. And so we kind of like put it out there. Like, do you all want longer interviews? And nobody said no. And I guess that's just one of the things that like, if you've got good content, people are going to listen to it. And so we ended up moving from 30 minutes to an hour for our podcast episodes. And we just did that because it just felt like a more natural conversation that you could have. It doesn't feel like you're trying to cram in a bunch of, you know, data points or anything like that. So it just, it just kind of flowed that way, you know, and now we kind of hover around the 45 to 60 minute mark because we, we now have extra segments that we put in the podcast too. So we try not to blow it up too much, uh, mainly because of post-production, the longer you, the longer you record, the longer it takes to do post-production. <laughs> that's but, true. Yeah. So that's one of the main things, like I said, it, it's really just trying to figure out what that happy medium is. I enjoy some of the shorter podcasts, a 30 minute one, only because you feel like you can complete it. However, we just found out that an hour is a, a good time. We're never going to get to the point where we're going to be like Joe Rogan, where it's like a two and a half hour podcast. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to talk that long. Like, I, just, <laughs> I, I don't feel like I can keep that. I, there, that's a special talent. And I don't know that I could keep that going for that long and it'd be entertaining for people to listen consistently. Yeah. Um, and there's also people that do solo podcasts and they just have themselves talking. And some of those are five to 15 minutes long because they're kind of either going off the cuff or going off uh, a few bullet points and talking about it. And maybe it's, uh, you know, one of the self-help or maybe it's a motivational podcast or something like that. So those are really good opportunities that you can create shorter links where you're just hitting a bunch of data points because it's just you talking. It's not a conversation. I actually, one of my favorite podcasts, and I'm going to ask you a similar question on it, um, is that style. So there's one that I weekly, it's a weekly one. It's, it's This Week in History. It's from the History Channel. Very random one to necessarily, but it's always like a random thing that happened in history that week on it sometime years ago. Like, so I was listening to one when I was walking the dog uh, the other day on it, and it was... It might have been this week's, actually, uh, but it was about the Allied forces taking Sicily and how the entire thing was perpetrated because of a, a maneuver by British intelligence that was actually came up from Ian Fleming when he was a still a naval officer before he wrote 
his first James Bond, James Bond series. Like, just random interesting history on it, but it's one person that just talks you through it for about a half an hour, and kind of, maybe every once in a while you get another voice um, that they pull in for a little mini interview section, but that's it. I mean, for you, you, you're doing this all the time, plus you've got tech on. Is there, are there a podcast, is there a couple that you particularly like, and is it because of the style, or is it because of the content? You know, I'd say my favorite podcast that I like, and I'll, I'll talk about my favorite one here in a second, but, you know, the one that I think that kind of caught the nation and really got people really listening to podcasts uh, was Serial. And, oh, you know, and you, you know, you listened and there's a lot of production value that goes in that one. So it's a little bit different because that's more like a storytelling. Now I'd say the, my favorite podcast is uh, NPR is how I built this. And it's only because a, it's good interviewing for me. I listen to it as, as takeaway as interviewing skills. Uh, the other part about it is motivation. When you listen to entrepreneurs come on and they talk about how they caught that break, you know, how did Otterbox come to be? Like, what was that break that they caught? How did, what was the story behind Airbnb? The stories or the, even the technologies that we use today, Dropbox, like you name it, like all these CEOs and founders have been on that podcast. And so for me, it's actually being able to go and listen to the story of how somebody started with just an idea and hustled their butt off until they just caught a lucky break. And, you know, that's one of the things that he always asks at the end of the podcast, every single one, he goes, how, what, how much do you attribute this to skill and how much do you attribute this to luck? And so it's always cool to kind of hear how humble some of these uh, people that are now like, you know, multi-billionaires, how they just like stumbled upon something. And so it's, for me, it's just like a really humbling experience to kind of listen to people and really just hear their story. And I think that's what I try to do within our podcast as well is try to bring in some of those people. Now these aren't multi-billionaires by any means, but they try to, we try to bring in some of the stories that, you know, really focus behind, you know, America's native spirit with bourbon and really try to expose that to the listeners. Well, and as you've been building out Bourbon Pursuit on it, kind of a, a two-part question. One, how much time do you think you put in to it outside being, as we said, it's not the day job. <laughs> uh, what, how much time do you think you actually have to put into it and have been making it successful at this point? Um, actually, I'll just go with that one. We'll start with that question. So the success was all based on just long-term trajectory growth and hustling and sticking with it. Uh, and it still hasn't stopped. We just continually make adjustments and pivots and try to bring new and interesting data points and, and guests on to try to keep it lively. Now for myself, I remember when we were really starting, I think, you know, maybe it was like 2016 timeframe, you know, trying to keep with the consistency of having a release every single Thursday and chasing after guests every week, it becomes numbing, right? You're always like trying to figure out logistics. When can you come on? When do we record? Are we going to have an episode for this Thursday? So that's when we started moving to, you know, of course, coming from a technology background, doing recording sprints so, or, uh, you know, development sprints. I was like, okay, we're gonna do recording sprints. They call them seasons and podcasting. But I said, well, let's just cram in like 20 podcast recordings in a span of a few weeks and then we're good for like six months. And so we kind of moved in that direction to relieve some of that, that pressure that was on just doing that. Um, but in addition of everything that goes to post-production and edio 
audio processing, uh, thumbnail, social media management, everything like that. At one point, I was probably putting in close to 70 to 80 hours a week between the podcast and my job, trying to just balance it all. And there was an inflection point or basically a changing point that came late last year where we had crossed a, a good, like if you say dollar figure, I guess you could say, because we are, I'd say about 80% funded through Patreon, which is kind of like a crowdfunding sort of thing. It's like a mix of NPR and Kickstarter, right? You like the content, you give us money. At some point we give you something in return. And so we are doing north of $10,000 a month in the podcast through Patreon. And by being able to do that with the percentage share that I have as part of the company, I was actually able to take my wife away from her job where she was actually working at Heaven Hill in the creative department because she's the one who taught me how to do all the video editing. And so I was able to bring her on to the team and now she takes care of all the post-production for uh, the audio and the video pieces of it. And she does all the all the uh, uploading and everything like that. So that's taken a lot of work off my back. So now I don't have to focus on that aspect. I can focus on the parts of growing it, of trying to find sponsors, of talking to the community that we've built inside of Patreon and also the social media side. So I would say on average, I'm still spending probably a good 20 hours a week on the podcast. And that's just not doing any of the production stuff, right? Um, so now we were actually able to hire somebody that, you know, my wife does it, I'd say probably close to 36 hours a week. So it's been good to, to kind of have that, but just know that if you take it seriously and you really want to build something, it takes a lot, of, a lot of effort. And even being able to bring her on, we're able to expand as well. So we now have two podcasts a week that we push out. So we have our, our dailies, or sorry, our usual ones that are on Thursdays. And then on Tuesdays, we do what's called a whiskey quickie. And it's a 60 second whiskey review. So it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the podcast lengths. Those are all less than like three minutes long. And so it kind of just gives a way to kind of break up the week while you're waiting for the next podcast to be released on Thursday. And that's a, it's a, that evolution of it. I know you've been able to build it so that it's outside of just podcasts, even at this point too. Like it, it, it's become a, a business for oh, yeah. you, as opposed to just I mean, you have other segments on it um, and working with those distillers, you've been able to expand that. So can I give the crowd a little bit idea of what else you've been able to do with it outside of just spending time talking to people? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, of course, the podcast, I mean, it's, it's its own LLC. I mean, we've got everything that goes into it, which is great. And it, it was funny because when people, we never really wanted to do a podcast that was focused on reviews. That's what I was talking about at the very beginning when people would get around a microphone and be like, oh, it smells like caramel and vanilla. Like we didn't want to be those people. We didn't, we didn't feel like we had that sort of voice in the industry that people would listen or pay attention to us. It was years down the road until we had people asking us and they're like, hey, why don't you get on? Uh, there's an app called like Distiller. Like once you get on Distiller and you do like bourbon pursuit reviews on all the stuff and we can compare our notes to your notes. And I was like, okay, well, how can we take this a step further? And, you know, we're not building content on somebody else's platform, but you know, we're, we're doing it on our own. And that's kind of what the whiskey quickie was born out of. And so we figured, okay, well, people want us to do reviews. We'll do this. And then as we started doing this, we had somebody else reached out to us because we were talking about a brand on the podcast once and they're like, Hey, I helped build that. Would you be interested in starting your own? I'm like, 
we actually never had a dream of actually creating our own whiskey label, but let's talk about it. And so, you know, keep the long story short, one thing led to another. Uh, we've been working with this broker now for over the span of two years. And so back in December, 2018 was when we did our first bottle release. And now we are creating our own whiskey line, our own bourbon line and rise and everything like that. And so it starts off with just sourcing on the open market. And then now we are also working with other craft distillers out there to actually showcase their products to our listeners kind of as like a vetting process because we've all been burned by craft whiskey at one point because it was too young or it didn't taste good, whatever it is. And so we are now kind of like the, the palate gate, I guess, if you will. So you will go ahead, we'll taste the whiskey. If we like it, we'll bottle it up. We'll sell it to our listeners. Uh, and then we've also started putting new make down, which is basically uh, just starting directly off the still putting it into barrels and then aging it. And now we're, you know, we're in deep. So we, we've got to wait another like five to seven years until even some of these barrels even be ready that we can do something with. Well, I mean, that's, it's been an awesome story and, and journey for you for sure. Uh, and obviously, like I said, we've known each other for a while. So I've, I've had the pleasure of sampling a few of these along the way with you. So um, I think the, the idea of being able to go from the day job to doing this, do you see that this will ever be transition to your day job? Oh gosh. You know, I, I get that question all the time, especially from one of my co-hosts, Fred Minnick. He's a, uh, he's a wall street journal or all street uh, bestselling author. Um, he co-hosts bourbon beyond music festival. He's, he's a co-host on our podcast and he's always like, when are you going to quit this tech thing and go with bourbon full time? And so I also forgot to mention our, our whiskey lines called pursuit series. You can go to pursuitspirits.com and go and check it out. But it for i have this i have this conversation with my wife too i'm like oh wouldn't it be great and she's like yeah but your your health insurance is too good you're not going anywhere right now <laughs> so i uh as much as as much as i i would yeah, like to see that that happen one day i don't i don't feel it ever will uh because there's just let's let's be honest like tech it's a very lucrative career um it it it's very good salary wise, very good health benefits wise. Um, you meet a network of people that we've all been through. So you, you, there's just definitely, there's something about this world that it, it's going to be hard to, to really leave it behind. And so when I look at everything that I'm building with, you know, the podcast as well as pursuit series and pursuit spirits, that's going to be like the retirement plan. So I know that now that we're putting down new make barrels that aren't going to be ready for five, seven, 15 years, whatever it's going to be until we're ready to release it. I've got myself something to, as a hobby to do when I'm retired now. So I can look here 15 years down the line or 20 years down the line and be like, okay, now it's time to go all in with bourbon because I don't have uh, anything with tech to, to worry about. Well, that's awesome. So, well, we're coming up on, on wrapping it up, I think, on just a few more minutes. Um, if you were to say now that, now that you've been down the road, you've done it, um, and obviously you're not done, and like you said, it's, it's ever evolving, ever changing, um, and especially with the way the climate is today and the changes with, with the pandemic and everything, people staying in, things more, uh, are there things that you know you're going to have to shift or you've had to shift recently uh, that will get you – kind of to that next step and, and keep this going for the next period of time that people, other people maybe can look out for and think about also that you've already realized. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we saw during COVID and when everybody had to kind of 
all take like a halt on life. You know, it, it allowed us to kind of really take a step back and really look at a, what can we do to help people? And then B, what can we do to capture the minds of more people? And so we are continually looking for ways to evolve and make new, new traction or new ways to kind of figure out how do we get whiskey to the broader community and how we get more people listening to bourbon pursuit. And so when the whole COVID thing happened, we, we kind of had an idea and, you know, we're, we're familiar with the tech conference circuit. We know what it's like. We know how to build a, a content catalog and a website and everything like that, that makes people interested in being able to do it. And so we had an idea and I said, well, what if we throw the first ever virtual whiskey conference? And we did that um, uh, back at the first weekend of May, back when all this was still, when everybody was still kind of hunkered down, but everything was starting to lift up and now it's kind of going back down again. But the, we had the idea and I said like, well, how can, we, how can we do this? And so within the span of two weeks, we were able to get together speakers, website, um, the technology, everything that was needed to kind of throw a virtual whiskey conference. And we had over 15,000 people join in live uh, to be able to just be a part of it. And so that really kind of amazed me really to kind of look back and say like, wow, we, we actually did something cool. We made a big impact during COVID that was, we, we able to give people a break from reality about what was going on and give them, you know, a way to educate themselves if they're new bourbon drinkers, they're experienced bourbon drinkers. We gave them cocktail sessions. We gave history lessons. I mean, it was, it was a really good day of being able to just do that. And I think that is now catapulted or it's kind of like really set a, a new standard of what we're gonna be able to do. And so we're looking at creating this virtual whiskey conference now every single year, but we're going to probably focus it more around like late November, early December timeframe when you actually want to be inside and not be outside on the weekend or something like that. So uh, stay tuned for a whiskey from home uh, conference number two, probably in that time frame. Well, that sounds awesome. Um, I know I, I had seen the other one. So, well, awesome. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today, this week for uh, the human factor. And next week uh, we get another guest. Actually, you get me again, but I, I haven't I guess a longtime friend coming on as we talk about how this pandemic has impacted coaching and uh, dealing with teams and practices and things like that, as I have a coach of a professional sports team um, coming on next week. So it should be a good one. So thank you all for joining me. Uh, and we look forward to it. Have a great week. And we'll see you all soon. <laughs>